What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Dickie Dines Show podcast, episode 12, I believe. Number. Number 12. We've done it 12 weeks straight. 12 weeks. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of commitment from the Dickie Dines Show, that's boys. That's a lot of weeks. That's a lot of weeks. Yeah, it's a lot of... Uh, it's a lot of consistency, one would say, from I'm us. Impressed. Yeah, I'm, I, impressed. I'm impressed. I'm <laughs> impressed. Uh, today we have a very special guest, uh, Angel of Vivaldi, uh, guitar virtuoso, just uh, amazing guy and co-host of Musician Mansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of cool things to talk about. We're to talk about music and to talk about his experience on the Musician Mansion show. We'll get into some deep conversations uh, about the industry and independent artists advice for musicians all that kind of stuff he's a very very wise individual very well spoken very mm-hmm. elegant and graceful so we're very excited to have mr vivaldi with us quite the inspirational episode quite the inspiration yeah he's a he's a cool dude so uh we're gonna get right into that before we do if you have not yet joined us on patreon it would mean the world to us if you would help keep our lights on and help keep our camera guy coming back to help us i'll kill him if you don't pay us money Kill him with a gun. We're getting close to 250 <laughs> active members, which is amazing and awesome, and we really appreciate it. If you want to join us there, you can get extra perks. You can come hang out with us on a private Discord server. You can uh, talk, uh, message us directly. There's tons of different perks for the different tiers, and uh, we also have merch down below in the links in the description if you want a shirt. We from, got perks. We got merch. We, we got, got oxycodone. <laughs> well, we don't have that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if those are interesting to you, you can check it out down below. And if not, we just appreciate you being here and listening to us and watching us be our goofy selves. I'm going to come. He's going to come. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, let's get into the podcast with Mr. Angel Valdi. All right. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by the one and only Angel Vivaldi. Uh, you may know him from his classic hits, such as A Martian Winter, which, by the way, I looked, has over 12 million views on YouTube now, by the way. Very impressive. He has collaborated with artists such as Nita Strauss, Dan Sugarman. Andy James and more. More recently, he has released an EP called Away with Words Part Two, featuring such songs as Six, Seven, Eight, and Nine. And you might have seen him by my side co-hosting Musician Mansion Season One, putting us all to shame with his grace and style. Angel, thank you so much for joining us today. How are oh, you doing? what a joy! What a joy to be here. I'm honored. Can't wait to have a conversation with you, boys. Yay. Hell yeah. So I don't want to just talk about Musician Mansion today because there is so much more to you than just that show. But I do have a couple questions that I want to throw at you regarding the show. First one being, what was uh, your favorite moment uh, hosting Musician Mansion? My favorite moment, hands down, was getting a direct eye to eye contact with Paola when she was doing her roast which the cameras <laughs> did not capture from, I wish like, I wish I had like Apple vision or like Oculus so people can just see what I saw. There was this level of just like, I just couldn't like, I lost it. I just couldn't even control it. I'm sure that they edited 
me cackling a lot out because it was the <laughs> funniest thing. It was just so unhinged. Um, I think about that. I'll be showering and I'll think about that. And I just bust out laughing every single time. <laughs> Paul's intense gaze just pops into your brain. Dude, it was Sandra, like. <laughs> I gotta Bro. say, dude, I, I think I don't think I've ever heard you laugh harder than that. <laughs> I mean, I was laughing hard, really hard too. It was so unexpected. I think was part of it was like I wasn't expect. I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) And she gets up there and she just destroys. And it was so funny. I mean, okay, I start now is the best. Yes, (laughs) what are you fucking talking about? You've been killing it for five minutes. fucking layers it was like okay i start now the massager and doing it on her knees i'll get on sophie's level bro like i just dude that i just like hands down my absolute favorite moment man like it was just so good she's naturally very funny and it it is is interesting because we talked to uh of her her and graystone on a different podcast and Mm -hmm. She said that she just she had no idea what she was going to do, and mm-hmm. she improved the entire thing. And that, I, like doing stand up in and of itself, is very very hard. But yeah. to just have nothing except right. for the one joke, the one joke with the the poof, you know, the the chicken <laughs> poof joke. That's all she said she had, and then she just improved the entire thing, and she murdered it was the funniest like like i said i don't think i've ever heard you laugh as hard and it was yeah. just the greatest very funny. dude it's just top favorite moment hands down hands down yeah that was a really good one um actually you- the second that's interrupt you was actually uh the third second day when hannah and i this is probably the second that i you probably heard me laugh the loudest was when we were in that kitchen making pancakes for everyone and we were making oh, like yeah. special bro like everyone was like what the hell is going on in there like Hannah and I <laughs> were in tears for the stupidest shit uh-huh. stupidest <laughs> shit we made a pancake it looked like a lung we gave it to Lauren because <laughs> she's a singer <laughs> stupid stupid <laughs> thing like so yeah there were there were a lot of those moments man but yeah if i had to choose one definitely Paula man yeah, you and Hannah had a lot of bonding moments for sure, and she she still talks about it. Just speaks very highly of you and, and the fun moments. But yeah, I do remember that, and I I remember thinking just like, what are what is happening in that yeah. kitchen? Like you guys were just riffing off each other, having a great time. It was beautiful, man. I love it. I love it. Um, have you ever hosted a, a show before? And um, if so, what was the experience like? Mm-hmm. Um. And then as far as hosting uh, the mansion show, did it come naturally to you? How did you prep for it coming into it? Was it something that was just kind of like a piece of cake or did you have some sort of method of like, okay, you know, how are we going to execute this? What was your uh, thought process going into the show? Yeah, honestly, I never really hosted anything to like an event, a show or anything like that uh, prior um, I think what it is, it's just like, it's like being a musician. You sort of learn from the people who you admire in terms of like how they carry themselves, you know, or rather with musicians, like how their riffs sound. It's like, all right, you're emulating those riffs and eventually you're doing that with 12 other musicians and then you do your interpretation and that's your sound. When it comes to me speaking in front of the camera, 
um, there's certain influences that like, I just really admire listening to like, you know, lectures and stuff from like philosophers and, and stuff like that. I've been listening to those for well over a decade now. Um, so I think it is more a matter of like how people speak and how they carry themselves. Uh, when it came to hosting this one in particular, like, listen, um, it was much more like I understood what was needed. Uh, it was a supportive role. And, you know, my job was really just to come in prepared and not to waste time, you know, so part of preparation is just learning your lines, you know, and learning them in a way that it's like a song, learning them like a way is like a song, you know, when you're inflecting differently, you know, um, and then vibing off of you and how, you know, what you're bringing to the table, um, you know, it's just a matter of just like really being aware and vibing with the environment and what's going on. I feel like the first two days, everyone was sort of like, no one, this has never been done before. No right. one's done this before. So it was a big learning experience. But once people got comfortable, then it was easier to sort of like improvise as we saw, you know. Um, but it's just like just doing your part, man, doing your homework and just understanding what's going on, what's happening on what day, how it's happening but not getting married to the script because you'll be in for a rough divorce once like, oh, this is actually a better idea. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, then you have to unravel your lines and you have to, you know, get out of that rehearsed sort of, you know, method. But um, yeah, man, just like just doing whatever needs to be done and just like being an asset to the whole production. That's that's always my approach. Yeah, I think now that you mention it, I do vaguely remember there was one day where I did change up the script a little bit, I, th mm -hmm. I think. And it was kind yeah. of more of like an improv thing. It was interesting because I do remember talking to you about how you... I've never thought about it this way. And it's actually genius. Um, you said when you think about like the way you speak as a song and how it flows and how like the inflection is like dun, 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 dun. You know, like mm -hmm. I've never thought of it that way. But then once you said that, I was like, that's actually like... That is like really interesting to me like it's just a really cool way to approach it is that something that you kind of just learned on yourself to, to to you know or is it like you know like you said maybe listening to philosophers or like mm -hmm. i've never heard that before you're the first person that i ever heard that from so it's really interesting yeah so for me uh, anytime you see me speak in front of a camera um i like to choose my words very 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 carefully um because my Part of being an artist is being misunderstood, but that's also my kryptonite. I hate when people misunderstand my approach to doing something or my intention to doing something. Mm -hmm. So I always work off of the script and then I open up logic. I read the script to myself in the way that I want to say it. And I listen to it over and over and over and over and over again to the point where it becomes a song. Mm -hmm. And then if you're a good musical improviser, you can improvise off the song that you heard, you know? Mm -hmm. So it just becomes to a point where your muscle memory in your brain, because your brain, I mean, it's mostly fat, but it's a muscle that you flex. And the more you do it, like whether I did like the DiMarzio uh, video or like I'm talking about a documentary or uh, um, anything that you've seen me do, I script everything out. And the reason why is because like sometimes you go to record so, and you have an off day. You won't know what the hell to say. Yeah. And then you'll be like, you'll look back, you'll be like, fuck, that's like so cringe. Why did that? Why did I say that? You know, and it could be all sorts of things. It could be lack of caffeine, lack of energy, lack of sunlight, lack of sleep, whatever, lack of water, clean air, all these things like affect you, you know? So um, to sort of have control over like not wasting people's time, I, I learn my lines, I know them, I know variations and you know, but again, this is middle ground. You don't get locked into that because 
dude, again, you'll be in for that rough divorce and it ain't pretty, dude. <laughs> it ain't pretty. Yeah, for sure. And recording yourself doing it too, I think is a really good idea. It's almost like how you would imagine an actor to do, you know, they have their line, they have to deliver mm. it a certain way. So they're like, okay, well, you know, or say, even if you, I don't know, have to do like a specific accent. And so you record yourself and you listen over and again and again and again. Um, mm-hmm. And that repetition, you know, if you can be unbiased with yourself and like, oh, I need to work on this. I need to make this better and be mm-hmm. honest with yourself. You can mm-hmm. actually just do such a better job that way. I think that's beautiful. I think it's brilliant. And it's, and it's not a job. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I wonder if that translates at all to like the part of your brain that recognizes and can sing along to songs. Like if you were to listen to an old video, if you could mm-hmm. like work, talk along with it, just because you have it kind of memorized in that way. Like really all the clear. time, all randomly, sometimes in my Apple music, cause I have it in Apple music playlists. If I hit shuffle my Apple music, I'll get a line from a DeMars. I think I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ. You know? <laughs> and I'll, and I'll know the song. I'll know exactly how I said it. You know, that's, so um, that's wild. Yeah, it's 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 really awesome. interesting, but I think it's it's a thing where like it's a muscle you flex, and the more you flex, it, the better you get at it. Because the other thing too is, um, because um, oh, I had I had a whole thing, man. Once I start riffing on this kind of shit, man, it's, <laughs> it just I, I feel so alive. I love it. <laughs> it's it's cool, man. Like yeah, yeah. it's very interesting. I got to try that because I definitely will for certain videos. I will like write a, a few lines down. I'll kind of say them to myself in my head. Mm-hmm. And then there's such a change that happens just from writing it down and then speaking it mm-hmm. where I'll speak it and I'll be like, oh, I need to change this word because I don't talk like that. I need to change this word because that doesn't feel normal. Just even changing words like the or as instead of something else or really instead of like a lot, you know, like little words here and there that you write down, you think of it this way, but then to say it, it's like, well, that felt really weird. And so then yeah. when I speak it, I rewrite it. And so what you're doing is taking it to the next level where you write it, speak it, record it and listen to it. And that's, I think that's awesome. I think yeah. that's really cool. It's a really yeah, cool way of doing me. it. Definitely yeah. works for me. <laughs> and then, yeah, being still able to like improv out of it, like you were saying, you know, to that's where the like, hard it's very so similar with music of like being able to vibe with someone and feel, you know, the flow of it. And sometimes you land and maybe sometimes you don't, but you know, that's the cool thing about recording and, you know, video is you can do two or three or four different takes, you know, whatever, (laughs) but yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Some of the coolest moments for me was when I saw you just jamming with like Dylan and Jimena, um, do you do a lot of improv sessions at home or is that just something that you can like turn on whenever? Yeah. Uh, yeah, honestly, that was, that was an- another a bunch of really awesome memories, you know, cause I think the, 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 the gift of that week for all of us really, I mean, it's, it's obvious, but it's just being able to be in a room and collaborate and just jam like we're 16. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen anymore. That doesn't happen anymore because, and thank God, honestly, I mean, I know a lot of people like to nostalgia, you know, have nostalgia around like just being in the studio. That's fine. But at the same time, in my situation, when I was doing that, I couldn't record my song. So I would have to have my backing band play the chorus to a Martian winner for three hours while I try to come up with something. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's such a waste of time. There's a magic in it, but it's like, come on, you know, work smart, not hard. 
where it was when you're jamming like that and you're improvising, um, it's always been a huge part of like how I compose it. Composition to some degree is improvisation. I mean, unless you're writing in guitar pro, which is fine. Um, but I think that when it came to chemistry, like with Dylan in particular, like my blue and his yellow make a fucking sick green, man. Like I could write an album with him. I, I'm very confident we could sit in a room and and just flow out an album. And it was spooky because I've never, I've never, I'm not familiar with his style. Uh, we never really jammed, you know, ever. I never, I never really met him. And um, we were stopping like Meshuggah yeah. level assembly line stopping when we knew the song was ending. You know, okay. it was just like spooky. Yeah. Um, so that was awesome. And then Jimena, uh, me, and uh, uh, it was a Brad, bunch of us in, in the back room we were, we were jamming and stuff. Yeah, man, improvisation is a huge part of, of how I compose. And, and in my live streams, I, I do that quite a bit. Um, I love it. And I love the fear. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not mm -hmm. this, it's this sort of level of anxiety that sort of pushes you to be really focused and mindful about what you're playing. And you sort of wear that experience on your body. Like I feel like when I'm in flow state and I'm just like, I can feel that it's hard to feel what people are perceiving you as in your live streams, but this, this sort of weird collective energy, like, and you go back and then you see people reacting. It's like, Oh, that one note. And that's the same note that I fucking hit that I felt. And they felt it. It's like this magical thing. And I sort of see improvisation, especially when I'm touring and I'm doing it live. I always have sections in my songs I switch it up it's just improv and i look at it as like it's a gift to just that audience and to no one else you know mm -hmm. um so yeah man i fucking love improv man i love it so much i love it so much well it's interesting like i was gonna be my next question is if you uh improv a lot of stuff when you do your live shows and touring but mm -hmm. i kind of almost feel like with with play like rehearsing your songs and then you go and you perform your songs it, mm -hmm. that's for the audience and then when you improv it's also for the audience but i feel like it's for you as a musician as well mm -hmm. that's for you to feel something because i think the thing is with like rehearsal and you play a song a hundred times technically you have it perfect you can perform it the audience will love it note for note but you're not really like feeling a whole lot because it's just it's you're desensitized. It's, yeah, you're desensitized. Whereas yeah. when you improv, you kind of like your eyes open up a little wider, maybe, and your brain gets a little sharper, and you kind of like, okay, here we go. You know, and your heart rate starts coming up a little bit. That mm -hmm. that moment's for you. Is this gonna? Am I gonna land this? Am I gonna fall on my ass? What's gonna happen? Absolutely. And the audience gets to enjoy it as well, but. I think for the musician, that's when you as a musician enjoy it the most. Does I could not agree sense? more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I think it's also, it's an exchange of energy. You're giving, they're giving, you're giving, you're giving. And I think that with improvisation, if, if and it's, it's a brave thing to do, right? Because improvisation is sort of like, you don't know what's going to happen, you know, but you have mm -hmm. to trust yourself and you have to know that you're putting in the work to be able to free glide like that you know and some people can do it and some people can i don't think a musician is better if he can or he can i don't care like that's yeah. not important to me but um what is important to me is a sort of you providing a unique, a unique experience for the audience that's also for yourself and the fact that the audience can see you enjoying yourself in a different way outside the context of written music 
that's another level of a gift that they get to experience because only they get to experience you in that moment, you know, cause I've, dude, I've had improvisations where they're really good and I've had improvisations that they were like, you know, C minus that they were okay. And when it was like, not the best improv, you know, it's one of those things where like, I always, I always approach it with a level of humor. So I, um, <laughs> When I tour, like if if uh, in the improv I want to do something and and it's technically demanding and I know it's like a you know seventy percent chance I might like you know land it and thirty percent I might screw it up. I had like this little like meme in the back of my guitar at the time, and I think it was um it was a vector of Freddie Mercury doing this, mm-hmm. and it said nailed it. Um, so if I fucked it up, you know, I'd flip my guitar over and just do this, and it, everyone gets a laugh. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, it's sort of things like that. That because the thing is, I feel with musicians, um, we obviously ruminate on our mistakes quite a bit. Um, as I've gotten older, it's really easy for me to just let loose, and it got to the point where I can actually be creative with how I let loose, just mm-hmm. so that I don't hold that experience in my head after the show is done and on the bus and into the next. Again, I'm carrying that to every show. You know, um, so I definitely like to sort of have like a nice balancing it where it's like this sort of lighthearted like we all fuck up man petrucci screws up vi screws up everyone screws up i've seen it <laughs> i've heard it you know yeah. and i think if you don't take yourself so seriously take what you do in life seriously but don't take yourself seriously man we're all pieces of shit relax <laughs> i love that i i think that humor is a great way to land on your feet when you, that you when you technically make a mistake it's like this great way to kind of bring it back around yeah. you know what i mean if you can embrace the humor in something that may mm-hmm. not have been what you wanted it's like oh like, yeah you know because yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's even like when you're telling jokes or something and you say a joke no one laughs if you own it and then you kind of <laughs> land on your feet but if you're like oh god and then it just gets worse you know and you get super serious then it's even worse right dude like, it's so bad man i've bombed some banter like when i was first starting i here's the thing i never in a million years wanted to be a front man dude i just wanted to be the guitarist in a band that's all i genuinely wanted to be this whole guitarist and metal fucking front that was a happy accident bro one time man i bombed and i bought and i try to save myself try to save myself in a matter of like three minutes, it was just the most awful thing. Like my heart fell deeper and deeper and deeper into my asshole. The more I talked, it was like, bro, you have to be talented to have a banter that bad. But it's one of those things where you look back and you're just like, all right, I need, I can't go. I can't like jump that deep, you know, into the deep end like that quick. Like there's this sort of evolution of confidence you know and for me hiding the, behind the guitar was my level of confidence you put me behind a mic i am a vulnerable naked human being that's in front of a bunch of people and that was not my sword to wield yeah. and i knew it at the time but there was this conscious effort to be like all right i have to face reality if i'm going to be a guitar instrumentalist and this this is my name i have to like this is my circus i have to ring lead this entire circus and i have to have people in the palm of my hand and the way that I learned was just, again, like we were mentioning earlier, like watching the greats do it. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are people responding to? You know, it's like that that classic thing where it's like the wise man learns from his mistakes, the wiser man learns from other people's mistakes, but the wisest man learns from other people's success. And bro, watching guys like Vi and 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 um, Devin Townsend and, you know, Perchucci and like all these people have different things and you just sort of like grab 
you just grasp onto certain things that just like move you or like make you laugh. You're like, all right, how can I do that and put my own twist on it? And it was just sort of like adopting those jokes and changing them and changing them and changing them and exaggerating them a little bit more, you know, and then you get to the point where you get that confidence, you know, and and you can loosen to the experience to laugh at yourself a little bit, you know, for sure. And like the successful people that we look up to have also failed hundreds of times, you know what I mean? So it's like when you think about, you know, whether you're a comedian doing stand-up or you're a musician, uh, you know, in whatever field, those people Mm -hmm. that you're looking up to, like, oh man, they're, they have so much confidence. They're killing it. Their stage presence is awesome. They're so talented. They're, they're so good. It's like that person probably spent years falling on his ass, falling on her ass to get to where they're at. And they've bombed in front of hundreds and, you know, thousands of people before in front of different venue and different venue and that learned over the years. And then we're kind of blessed to be able to just kind of see their success and be like, oh, that's how it should be, you know, without having we we still do have to go through it ourselves to find our own voice. But it definitely helps. But I think a lot of times people forget that when you see that massively successful person that you idolize, they spent years in the trenches failing. You know what I mean? Most and they're usually. still failing. They're yeah. still failing, dude. Like it, it, it's, it's a smoke and mirrors thing. I was having this conversation with someone recently, but is to the extent, like we all know that the internet's fake, but it is really not what you think it is at all, at all. You know, I think one of the things was the podcast. There was this one comment about Bradley Hall and they were just, I was just having a conversation with Bradley and it was outside of his kooky, exaggerated version of himself. And the comment was something along the lines of, uh, you know, oh, man, if he was like this all the time, I'd love his content. And my whole thing was like, he's not making content for you. Like, do you think he actually acts like he's in his kitchen making rice going? <laughs> no, dude, he's a human being like, you know, so there's. Um, but the other thing, too, is I think I think where a lot of the like legendary acts sort of like fumbled a bit was when the Internet happened. Because it's a completely different medium. No one really knew how to wield it. They had to take their cues from who? Content creators. Because it's working. All right, this is something that I have to do. I have to find this happy medium with what I'm doing. You know, the constant, there's always things that they adopt, you know, because it's a completely different industry. It's almost like this, its own little thing. It's like there's a music industry, there's a movie industry, but then there's like the internet industry. Mm-hmm. And they have parallels, you know, and, and everyone affects everything else because it's sort of it's a it's a medium of entertainment. But when you look at it objectively, man, I think that the older that you get, the more you, and, and if you're in the industry yourself and you see that all the fumbles that you've made that maybe you're able to save, you could delete that post or you can edit that caption or do, you know, right. um, it's happening all the time. Still, we're still figuring shit out, man. And that's amazing. It means that we care enough to want to figure it out. You know, <laughs> we're not complacent. We're, you know, and I think that it's this, again, it's something that you get better at, you know, and you also get better at being kind to yourself when you do screw up. Right. I think it's also, there's, there's so much more re like realness to it now where, mm. you know, you're in 
like if you think about like legacy artists, you know, they were hiding, they weren't hiding, but they were hidden behind a label. They were hidden behind whatever project they were working on, whether it was an actor for a movie, you saw them mm-hmm. in that movie and then you didn't hear from them for three or four years. Mm-hmm. And then you saw them in this movie and then, you know, a, a band would drop a, an album and then two years, three years later, they would go by and then they drop another one. That's all you ever saw from them. That's all you ever really heard yeah. where now, you know, all these people have Twitter, they have Facebook. Facebook or Instagram, they're posting multiple times a day. So you actually get to see, oh, this person thinks this, this person said this, this person actually isn't as perfect as we thought and as magically unicorny as as we thought they were. And mm-hmm. I think it kind of is breaking down that wall a little bit. And like, kind of like you said, where it's like content creators kind of understand that a little bit better. Whereas like more legacy artists are like, well, I've always been like this, but it's like, yeah, but now everyone knows you're like that, you know, right? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I mean, trapped guy, the vocalist of case in point, right? Like, yeah, everyone loved trapped in the early 2000s. And then he gets a Twitter and he just shits on everyone. It's like, oh, you're an asshole. It's like, yeah, Twitter has been the destruction of so many people's careers. <laughs> yeah. Just giving people yeah. access to post their opinions too, yeah. too loudly. It is. And, and listen, I mean, I listen, I don't care. I still love Trap, bro. I think they're fucking great they songwriters. Great songs. dude. I don't give a shit, dude. I don't really care what someone believes. I don't care who you voted for. I don't care what God you believe in. Let's have dinner and talk about it. I yeah. don't care about that shit, dude. Like, yeah. I think that's the one of the things that's so um, it's hard for certain people. I think certain people are just sort of like they identify themselves by their values. And I think that's fine. I think that's wonderful, man. I think that it's good to have values. But you know, I think um, maybe it's because I'm in the industry and I and I it's, it's easier for me to get this approach. But, you know, I, it's easier for me to, to separate the art from the artist because I, I know a lot of these people and I know the kind of people that they are. Mm-hmm. And I also know that the kind of people the Internet sees them as. So like there's there's obviously like thousands of versions of us. Like there's a version of me that, you know, there's a version of me that Austin knows There's a version of me that Kevin knows. There's a there's all sorts of different versions of ourselves. And. You know, and that's another thing too. When you're like sort of um, when you're in this space of of any industry, to be quite honest, especially like a competitive one like music, it's really easy to sort of like, um, especially when you're a male, to have that sort of uh, animosity, sort of ring of like competitiveness that sort of like um, skews the view mm-hmm. of how certain people see you. But at the at the end of the day, like that's also a version of you that's probably true. Maybe you're again, having an off day, right? Sure. A fan sees you at a show, you're having an off day. Oh, he's sloppy live, you know, or like you're, you, you do one thing. like, Oh, he's an asshole, whatever, you know? Um, it, it's just all sorts of different versions of ourselves, man. So I think if you just know who you are, man, and you have people who love you unconditionally and you're sort of putting effort into not being an asshole and being a better version of yourself, like, Everyone wins. Everyone wins. That's so true. I know that for a fact, like I used to hear stories of, oh, I met this guy and he did this. So he is just now blanket asshole. Whereas, you know, like you said, though, people have off days and it's like, well, what were you doing to that person? Were you being super annoying? Were they trying to like take a phone call with one of their loved ones and you were sitting there tapping them on the shoulder? It's like there's, you know, you there's so many and yeah they might be having a bad day you know so it's like there are tons of different versions um of of ourselves and it's i don't know it's 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 interesting 
um, the modern the modern era of the music industry and content creation is uh, is interesting. But I think the one cool thing about it is that it does show people kind of like it puts people in front of an audience that may not have ever been able to be in front of an audience, like an Mm -hmm. independent artist. Whereas, you know, back in maybe the sixties, seventies and eighties, if you weren't on a label, you just, you were just dead in the water. New Uh, York, LA location, location, location. Now you could be anywhere, man. Yeah. Anywhere. 100%. Great time, Um, baby. That, that kind of goes into another question that I had. Um, was that uh, do you think that there is a low ceiling for independent artists? Like, in other words, uh, do you think it's easy for independent artists to cap out due to lack of label funding and promotion? And especially no. nowadays with like the oversaturation? No, I think people cap out because they're doing the same thing that a million other people are doing. So if you're doing the same shit that, 20 of the bands are doing it and they have a huge audience. Well, what are you, you're going to cap out because you're sharing your fans with hundreds of other bands are doing the same thing. What's going to make them buy your ticket to go to your show or your merch over like after the burial. Mm-hmm. Come on, dude. Or, or, or Polyphia. Good luck, dude. People's attention and their money and their support is limited. It's a limited resource, okay? So the pool of guitar instrumental, and we'll use that as an example. The pool of guitar instrumental is probably what? 2.5 million people online. Beauty industry, probably 20 million people active users, right? So everyone's sharing everything else. We're sharing fans. So I think that having something that is completely unique to yourself, you know, is like that's the most, that's the thing that's going to give you the most longevity. Mm-hmm. And it's a risk, big risk, big reward, because you're doing something sort of against the grain to some degree. Um, but the longer you do it and the more that you stand with your convictions and the more authentic you are about it, and you're not an anxious person chasing trends and trends, because here's the thing, by the time you actually make in your career, that trend's going to be over, bro. There's going to be something else. Then there's going to be something else. And you're going to spend your entire career you know, chasing trends and trying to do this and do that. Um, so about two years, I launched an artist, uh, coaching and mentoring company called the Zenith council. Mm-hmm. And dude, it's, it's been amazing, man. It's like, it, I love teaching. I love doing anything with music business and branding and marketing. Like that's like a massive, massive, like guitars and mu- music's here. And it's like right here. I love doing it, man. It makes me feel so great. Um, and the more that I do it, the more that I'm seeing, the same sort of patterns, you know, where, you know, people are just trying to figure things out in a way that's, excuse me, that's just like counterproductive to their own success. You know, they're just genuinely afraid to be themselves. Ultimately, they're afraid to do what they want to do because the algorithm, the algorithm, the algorithm wants this, the algorithm wants that was like, there's a happy medium, man. You can do your own thing. And it still appease the algorithm (laughs) to some degree. You You don't have to do the thing, you know, but I guess with regards to the low ceiling, you know, it's like obviously we all know the days of the Metallicas and the Madonnas and all those are are gone. And thank God. Why? The ceiling is like a very narrow skyscraper. Now, the ceiling is a lot lower, but it expands. So a lot more of us can eat, <laughs> you know? Sure. It, it gets squished down. But now a lot, like people like me, people like Ola England, like we can all, we can all have a, 
uh, like you know a comfortable means of, of of living so long as we as we keep working you know but when you look at the people who are like really really killing it for the most part we're all doing something like pretty different from one another or similar enough where it's like relevant you know like mm-hmm. um i think any like you know um 2011 traditional gent fan wouldn't really have a chance these days you know sure. um but you know someone like spirit box doing something a little bit or rather better yet sleep token doing something radically different with it there you go sure. you know so yeah i think that the ceiling it's 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 lower but it's lower for reasons and i think thank god for those reasons man <laughs> I think it's really easy for people to do stuff that isn't authentically themselves because then if people hate it, they can say, well, that's not me. And yeah. they can, you know, that's not actually what mm-hmm. I think. That's not actually who I am. It's a lot harder to put yourself out there where it's something that you stand for, that you are strong about. It's your style. It's your humor. It's your playing, whatever. Because then if people hate it, then it's directly at you. Oh, they hate mm-hmm. me. So that can be, I think, a lot harder for some people who may have that anxiety of, I don't know if you feel that way. That's fair. That's if fair. you think that is, yeah. is, is fair. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's really cool that, that we have the platforms that we do now. Like I was talking, uh, to Hannah about this, uh, a couple weeks ago saying that it's, it's so different in the space now where back in the day, you might have had one or two artists that that make it, you know, like the Led Zeppelins, the Beatles, whatever, or mm-hmm. the, in any type of art, the Mona Lisa or, you know, things that because, you know, back then people were painting everything. And yeah. the Mona Lisa is just one thing that happened to stand the test of time, whereas thousands of other paintings probably just were destroyed, burned or forgotten about what well, the same thing with music. And I feel like it's the same thing nowadays where the cream always rises to the top, even though there's a ton of oversaturation, it just might take a little bit more time for that to be noticed potentially because they, they have to wade through thicker waters to get to the surface. That's a good way to put it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Spearbox was, I wrestled a bear once for years before (laughs) they got success in Spearbox. Yeah. hundred percent, you know, and, and so many times you see, you know, like, uh, people who might come up on, on YouTube or SoundCloud and then they either go on to make a movie or they go on to, uh, you know, like, uh, Filthy Frank who then went on to do Joji. And so it's like, you see all these cool options now for independent artists to actually build themselves up over time and then achieve what they ultimately want to achieve whether it's world famous or not i mean i feel like most people don't care about being like michael jackson level famous like even playing shows in front of a hundred people 50 people might be enough for a lot of people you know so it's like having those those options to do that things like spotify the availability of music nowadays is so much different than it used to be i remember having going to like the library and rent a cd that was scratched you know it would skip all the time and i'd have to put it in my player and then listen to it burn it on another cd then take it back to the library and it, nowadays it's just oh i got every song in the mm-hmm. entire world ever on my phone you know yeah, yeah. you can be a band like, that's just really one person and yeah, yeah. Hires live people you know it's 
100%. But I think it's also the the responsibility of the fans and the audience to actually seek out what they want. And and also, like, I'm an extremely organized person. So, like, my Spotify, like, I have all of my playlists, like, very easily, like, beautifully curated so that I just love art and music so much. I never want to forget about it, you know? And even with, like, the playlist that I have, um, like, I'm constantly rediscovering artists all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so the second that any human being says the following words, you're old and you've given up. And those words are, there's no good music out there these days. Yeah. That is the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard in my life. So you mean to tell me with the number of, of uploads on Spotify daily, they're all shit? <laughs> right, Get everyone. out of here, man. Yeah. You're lazy and you, and that's okay. You what was the one study that said that after you're 30 you just stop discovering new music most people? Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You could still enjoy Kill Switch Engage. You could still enjoy Metallica's Master Puppets. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but to say something as crazy as it's no good music? Yeah. It's like you under you have to understand that every single generation says that, and you said that to your parents when you were fifteen. Da, 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 and it's just like over and over and over again, dude. You got to open up your mind, man. Open up your mind and just like yeah, find it. It's there for you. They curate playlists for you. Like, what more do you want? Right, <laughs> right, for sure, hundred percent. I think the reason for saying that is better than saying it because I could see how like, Oh, you're 30, you're married, you have kids, you have a full-time job. You don't really have time to spend two or three hours on Spotify all the time. I get that. The reason why they may not be discovering new music is totally fine. But then to just say, Oh, there's no good music. It's like, you should know that there is, you shouldn't say it. Like, you know what I mean? Um, But yeah, there's totally easy ways to discover uh, new music. So, um, yeah, that's definitely silly when people say that. Um, I want to talk about your music for uh, a few minutes here. Um, so oh your older music, uh, which is actually how I was first uh, introduced to you, like the uh, uh, Martian, uh, Martian Winter, Mercurian Summer. Um, those songs, love them. And they have uh, more of a, like, I guess, aggressive metal vibe to them. Um while still obviously maintaining like the melody and stuff, but your, uh, your newest stuff is a little more like a jazzy kind of Latin swing groove, um, like bluesy shred fusion stuff, uh, which is really cool by the way. I love it. Uh, what inspired that sound on your newest release? And do you think moving forward that you're going to want to keep going down that kind of road, mm-hmm. maybe go back to a heavier sound or just kind of whatever comes to you? Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate that. I think that ultimately, um, I think every musician has had those conversations of like, you're in a room with someone, you're like, oh, I have these ideas and they just sort of go off like, oh, I want to do a this kind of record or I want to write this type of song or I want to work with this kind of person or I want to do this. And then they just sort of never get around to doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, with Away With Words Part 2, the latest record, um, it's a, it's it's... Actually, part one came out about 10 years ago and part two was obviously in April. So the whole concept is yin and yang, you know, so the space in between was sort of planned to some degree um, because first of all, I was very honest with my career. I, I didn't have, I, I didn't, I don't feel like I had, I, my career warranted doing something just so super left field, but 
I think it also, it just came from a place of authenticity, man. Like it was easy for me to write that record. I grew up listening to that shit. My first ever musical experience was playing that stuff in church, you know, and to go back to it, it was just like, let's listen. I know that it, it is, especially for someone who like, you know, uh, puts food on their table by the music that they write, I knew it was going to be a huge business risk, um, being so radically different, but there's this the one common thing that I remember people saying about it was that it still sounds like you, like I still mm. hear you, like your phrasing, like your voice is still on there. And that was very, very validating for me because there was always like there's days where I love the record, there's days where I hated the record, there's days that I love it, you know. It's one of those things, you know. I think we yeah. all sort of go through that. Um, but um it, it's a it's always a part of who I am. And I feel like if I'm not writing the music that's in my heart and and exploring every type of music that inspires me, then I'm not being authentic fully, you know? I'm just writing music to pay my bills. And that's fine. That's okay. I don't judge anyone how they make their living at all. You know, write the same record over and over again. I don't care. As long as you're making people happy, you can feed your kids and you can put it over your head. Better than working for someone else, right? Um, but for me personally, man, like I, I've never um I have my I, my religion is my conscience. And if I, if I'm not listening to it, man, like I just don't feel well, I don't feel good. So I had all these songs sort of written and like seeds of them. And I had to kind of find a way to integrate it into like how I want to release it, you know? So for me, visuals and, and I'm, all my records are concept records. So like I had to figure out, all right, how am I going to warrant doing something this crazy, you know? So like the artwork is part one and part two, you put it together. It's like this beautiful mural, um, all the videos are all like, you know, very, um, they're telling stories. Like the first video for eight, um, is actually like one of the most important, uh, movies for me growing up was Sister Act. Mm. And, um, uh, it's sort of a, oh, dude, uh, very deep place in my Both heart, that them. movie. Yeah. One and two are good. You want to do Yeah. With Lauren Hill. Yeah. Um, but if you look the treatment of the music video, it, it's very much, um, an homage to the the scene when Whoopi Goldberg takes over the the choir mm. and everyone starts coming in, it's sort of the same sort of thing. There's this rundown bar and, you know, there's this sort of like Latin fusion, sort of rock kind of music that no one's in the neighborhood heard. So everyone comes in and it's a dance party. Then we're dancing. Then it's choreography. It's, it's, it's a good time, you know? Um, and then, um, and yeah, so like things like that to tell the story, because obviously with instrumental music, with a title like eight, like what the fuck does that mean? You know? eight, yeah. <laughs> um, but really the, the record's called Away With Words. And uh, the first part one was all in Morse code, mm -hmm. which was confusing, but I don't give a fuck, whatever it is, what it is. Yeah, the dash, um, dash, dot, 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 yeah. Yeah, man. But the problem is, since I waited 10 years to release part two, when I upload on TuneCore, <laughs> they don't allow the dots and dashes anymore. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, like imagine me three o'clock in the morning like <laughs> you like, literally, literally have to type out spell out dash dash dot 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 <laughs> and fans remember that like if yeah. i'm on tour they're like why don't you play dot dot dash 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 yeah. i'm like you mean short short long 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 <laughs> but it's just wild i think that that's the other thing too is it's kind of wild how how my my fans are just so great, man. They're they're, they're like they're invested in the lore of what I do. Like mm -hmm. they remember that shit, and I'm just yeah. like, fuck, man. Like I'm just I'm blessed, man. They're just they're just wonderful people. They're just like genuinely good people, and I'm really lucky. 
Yeah, dude, that's awesome, man. When you write your music, do you typically write alone or do you get together with a group, your band and write in a studio? Because I know you kind of touched on it where you said, you know, it's a little silly, obviously, if you have your full band playing a chorus for three hours. But, you know, I mean, that's more or less. So I guess like I guess it's part of the writing stage. But do you like what do you usually do? And what do you prefer to do? Yeah, I do prefer working on my own these days. Uh, ever since uh, Way With Words Part 1 for the past 10 years, I've been, you know, working my own studio, mm-hmm. um, you know, using like drum loops and stuff like that. Because um, there is something to be said about like collaborating, but it's a solo project, you know, so I can really take my time and really finesse the perfection that I want. I mean, even when I record my records, rhythm guitars are done in a studio, drums are done acoustically in a studio. But um, when it comes to leads, that's a very personal sort of crafting because uh, like I'm very careful choosing my words when Mm -hmm. I'm talking in front of the camera. I am extremely careful with the notes that I choose. I rarely ever really choose with the exception of two songs and I know them by heart and I know the reasons why Um, in certain sections, like every note is like curated for a like a fucking reason. And it's phrased in a way for a specific reason, because it's not just about the leads, you know, um, for me, it's like the whole song is incredibly important. And I think that's more evident on Way With Words Part 2 on more than any record, because there's bass, there's piano, there's piccolo, there's horns, there's like, there's all these different instruments that I'm writing for. So, um, and I'll tell you one thing, not having a metal mix where you can actually hear and appreciate every like pour on someone's musical skin you can hear the little accents on the bass was bro that was just like i sort of want to do this music forever now because i feel like everyone can hear everything that i want to say on every level Mm -hmm. um but to answer your last question i guess if i'm going to continue this route or another route um i have no idea i have Mm -hmm. uh one uh, my next concept record planned um it is a heavier record more traditional but I also have a ton of other stuff too. Um, and I'm also in a new band now, Infinity's Ashes, with a singer and doing that whole thing. So, um, which has been great. I yeah. How was, did that come up to be? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That was wild, dude. I got a message randomly. Uh, this is the reason why, like, musicians respond to every comment, every message, <laughs> every single one, man. Don't ever take it for granted because one day it may not be there. Okay. Yeah. That's my, that's since the MySpace days, I always said that to myself and I always, I always practice that because, um, one day I'm on my toilet, just going through my Facebook messages. This is in 2013, 2014. I get this message from someone. He's like, Hey man, discovered you on Pandora. I've been like spinning yourself all the time. Like I'm like, I've been playing on a repeat. Like it's I just want to say it's a great job, man. You're killing it. Thank you so much. Da, 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 you know? And then it becomes, you know, it's like a, con- a little conversation, right? Mm-hmm. It's never just like a thank you so much, you know? They're, sure. You know? So he comes back. He's like, we're talking. He's yeah, I'm a drummer. Da, da, da. I'm like, oh, that's awesome, man. Like, you know, what do you do? Oh, yeah, I play drums for a band called Camelot. Nice. I'm like, Camelot with a K? Like, <laughs> like Camelot, like... Epico like changed my fucking high school life that exposed me to power metal for the first time Camelot and it's Casey Grillo Casey mm-hmm. Grillo like he's all he's auditioned for Prince he's in Queens right now like this is like a drum legend mm-hmm. okay and I, I just like it blew my hair back and the last measure was like hey man if you ever want to do something together let me know I'm like 
Bro, I wiped my ass, went into my studio, and I started writing. Yeah. I just start. I washed my hands. I started writing music, you know. Um, and uh, we were just looking for vocalists. Actually, one of the vocalists was. People don't know this, but um, the original one of the original vocals that we were talking to was actually Elise Ridd from Amaranth. Oh fuck yeah! Um, yeah, because Amaranth and Camelot they've toured you know tons and you know back in the day. Um, so uh, and same thing with like Nightwish and all those bands, but. Um, yeah, but I think it was like just her being in Sweden, us being here, it would have been a little more difficult. So um, for shits and giggles, man, there was this one guy, he used to open up for me whenever I would tour in the Indianapolis area. Uh, his name was uh, Roman. And he had, you know, bands and they would open up and we just hit it off, dude. He's great. Fuck, he had the good luck, amazing front man, great singer. I was like, damn, that guy's, I want to be friends with that guy, you know. <laughs> so we hit it right. off. And he, it was his birthday, and I said, happy birthday. He's like, what you up to? I'm like, I don't know, man. We're trying to find a singer. Da, 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 da. You want to try? And just... Shits and giggles. Shits and giggles. Bro, when this motherfucker came back with these, like I get goosebumps talking about it. Mm. It was just perfect. Everything was perfect. The harmonies, the delivery, the performance, everything. And there were demos. There were demos. So, um, yeah, we released 10 years later because, you know, I was touring, releasing music. Casey was touring with Camelot and then touring with Queensryche. It was just one of those things that the timing never really lined up, man. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, this past uh, July, we released our first single, The Perfect Flaw. And next year is going to be a very busy year for that band. So we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. That's cool, awesome, dude. dude. Congrats, man. That's yeah. awesome. That's so cool to hear. What a sick story behind that. <laughs> it's wild, oh, man. It's so crazy. crazy. <laughs> Um, I have a couple more questions for you, uh, before we let you go, don't want to keep it too long. I know you're a busy guy. Um, I've heard a lot of people say this before, and I've also personally felt it myself when writing music, sometimes it can feel like it just comes from somewhere, like almost magically, like Mm -hmm. as if it's, it's something that just manifests, you can't really harness it. It's just there. Um, do you experience this when you write? And if so, can you remember a specific moment that it happened where you might've thought, wow, like, where did that come from? Like, holy shit, that was incredible. Yes, absolutely. I had this analogy where, um, when I was writing with words, part one was the first time I actually experienced writer's block to the point where I was pretty depressed. And the reason why I was depressed was because I had a very narrow minded view of my life as a human being. I saw myself as I'm a songwriter. And when you can't write a song anymore, you ask, who am I? Who am I? You know, yeah. you get into this fucking paralyzed state, you know, but it's a very narrow mind, man. You're so much more than just one thing, you know? So, and then I was, then I sort of like, like the thing I love to do the most in life, man, beyond music, beyond art. I love to think, man. Mm. I love to think. I'll sit here and write just, I'm actually working on a book, funny enough. The Hell plan yeah. is to release it on my 40th birthday of just all of these sort of like um, just musings and to sort of tie back to what you're talking about. When I softened to the experience of fighting, you know, cause I got depressed and I was like, I got to just put it down. Maybe I had to put it down a little bit, you know, and I got to step away from it. But the problem was I stepped away from it too much. Life is a balancing act, man. It's a I thing know. of moderation. When you get depressed 
you have to sort of meet meet that experience halfway with like, all right, well, I can't completely abandon the thing that I feel like I'm the best at. Maybe it's just a matter of the muse not visiting me today. Mm. You never know when she's here or not, but you have to show up halfway and meet the universe halfway with the attempt to show up. Because for me, it takes me years to write certain songs. Years, mm -hmm. okay? I'm very patient with myself. I look at it like it's winemaking. It mm. takes it takes time, but it's it's a unique thing to sort of max out as potential. That's how sort of how I, I I view it. And if it takes me sitting here six hundred times, I may not write something, but the progress bar in that song still moves a little bit of an inch mm -hmm. because I'm one session closer to actually finishing the idea. If you're not showing up here at all, the muse is in this room waiting for you and you're upstairs jerking off to some weird anime porn, which is fine. We don't judge. <laughs> no shame. <laughs> but you're not showing up for her. Right. But if you show up for her, there's going to be times. Maybe she shows up only once in three months. The, more the, the higher the frequency of you actually showing up, the more you're going to actually meet her, you know? Yeah. And there's so many things that are completely out of our control, man. There's days where, like, you go to a show, you come home, you want to play, right? Or you see an amazing guitar solo, like the Shred Collabs, man. Like, I've, like, I've seen them in the past, and I've been, like, it's such a, like, a privilege to, like, you know, take part in them. But, like, I see them, like, oh, my God, like, I want to play. I want to mm -hmm. play, you know? Um, there's all these things. And, and sometimes out of the frustration of not being able to do something, Magic sometimes happens, mm -hmm. you know, and listen, all of us feel like when we write our, that one sick lick or one sick riff, we sort of have in our mind, oh, that's the last sick riff I will ever write. Everyone goes through that. I go through it. I've heard Misha Mansour talk about that, you know, um, we sort of all go through it, man. And I think that one of the things that helps soften the edges of that experience a little bit is just knowing that A, you're not alone and B, the people that you look up to are also in the same fucking boat as you, man. <laughs> you know? So yeah, man, it happens all the time, all the time, you know? But recently I've like, I had this strange click in my head recently where I just sort of like fell in love with guitar again, you know? Like mm. I'm practicing every day. And um, and this, dude, this, this year Shred collab, like bro, I probably, I'm not, oh man. I work really hard on my guest solos. Like, yes, you do. Very hard, <laughs> bro. Like, I probably spent like close to, like fifty five hours on it totals, like on and off since you gave it to me. Jesus. And it's just one of those things where, like, I don't even care if, like, I'm happy with it. You know, it's like this is sort of like you know that you fought tooth and nail and you poured every ounce of your fucking essence into something, and I think that. Even if you don't win the battle overall, like you, you like this sort of like, you know, you put up a good fight and you earned whatever experience you sort of learned, you know? Mm -hmm. And there was days where I came down here and I was flowing, man. I was like, I was improv and so I'm like, I'm gonna live stream this. I'm killing it, you know? <laughs> then I go to hit live and I'm like, dur, 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 you know, like, you know, it, it just sort of what happens, man. But yeah, totally, man. It's, 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 I think it's a universal understanding that that's what, hap that's what happens when you get inspired. Yeah, and sometimes introducing like a new element can totally just intercept that flow state. Oh, you know yeah, I mean? so dude. You could be just like, yeah, then like, oh, live stream, okay, I got to set set up this and set up this. And then suddenly you're like, where did it go? 
I just had it. Like, it's a yep. top of pick. Where'd it go? It's, like, yep. it's gone forever. Yeah. It's, or even eating a meal or taking a shower. Yeah. That'll going out for a ride to go to the supermarket, you come back, you just sometimes lose it, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's so strange, man. It is a very like almost magical thing. Um, I remember when I did, when I was tracking the solo for the blade, what the Scion song that came out a while ago. I was mm-hmm. tracking it with one guitar and the way that we had it tuned, I think I was playing it in kind of like an open, like an A minor tuning or whatever. And I was just okay. not getting anything. And so I took a break, came back and my producer was like, use this guitar, play it in E major, go. And he's like, uh-huh. just, just play E major, just do something. And it was just like, it just happened. So like the yeah. solo on that song was just like, the first take of me with a brand new guitar, different key, like the way it like I had to just not really know what I was doing and just like fall into it. But then yeah. also this the situation was so different and just instantly it was there. So like yeah. it's so weird how these little tiny changes and these little things can just affect the flow that happens. Um, well, how is it for you then? Like, cause um, when you're with a producer, which is, which is an amazing tool, by the way, like someone who knows how to get a really good performance out of a musician, like that was what, what Will Putney taught me, you know, mm-hmm. like he knew how to get amazing musician uh, performances out of me and my drummer. But for you in that situation, do you feel like it's, um, you know, the energy of the other people that you're sort of vibing off of? Like, like you're obviously comfortable enough to just flow with it you know like a new experience but like was it like sort of tough to adjust to at first and then you get comfortable and then you're good kind of it depends on who it is if Uh, if i don't vibe with the person then i just can't work with them and that's just that's just is what it is Mm -hmm. um sometimes doesn't mean that they're a bad person either it just means that you know sure yeah just working with them might not be the the best thing Mm -hmm. and sometimes there's a level of chaos between musician and producer that can be a beneficial thing yes um so it's kind of just finding that balance and once i do the whether or not i come out sometimes i come out of it frustrated sometimes i come out of it feeling just on top of the world but at the end of the day what really matters is coming out of it with a piece of music that i'm proud of and that you know, sticks essentially. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's cause I've worked with different producers before and I'm sure you have as well. And sometimes right. you just, you just can't, you know, if, if the vibe isn't there, um, you know, and so finding someone, finding a producer that understands you maybe even has some of the same like musical influences as you musical tastes grew up listening to the same stuff, has the same vision that way yeah. you both can just streamline off of each other where like, Oh, I had this mm-hmm. cool riff. Well, I got a verse for it. Yeah. Well, we're just obviously going to go into a course like this. Yeah, <laughs> of course. You know what I mean? So like yeah. finding that type of producer is, is, is really beneficial. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I have one more question for you before we let you go here, Angel, what is the one thing that Angel Vivaldi has accomplished in his life so far that he is most proud of? Mm. It's a tough question. Mm. I think it's a tough question for anyone, but for an artist specifically, it's a very tough question, but I'm genuinely curious. For me, it's outside of art, man. I'm really proud of the person who I, uh, the person I am, 
you know, and I feel like that's the nucleus. It's the tree in which every artistic idea flows out of. Um, I've over the past couple years have had some very needed overdue ego deaths, sober ego deaths, which are arguably worse. Um, <laughs> Cause then you feel it more. <laughs> oh, you feel it more and you, and, and there's this sort of pr- conscious practice from that sort of state of mind that you could take with you, you know, if you, and I think it's, it psilocybin, whatever, that's helpful. Um, but if you're happy with who you are and you love who you are, and there is this genuine desire to constantly build on that. And there's an effort to build on it where you're putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. You know, I am very, very strong in my vision. Um, if I had done the musician's mansion co-hosting maybe seven years ago, I would have been running the show. I would have been, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. No, that's not my role. Being in a band. I'm, I'm going to help write the song and I'll do this. If you guys need anything from me, I'll jump in. But this isn't the Angel Vivaldi show, you know? So there's, and, but that, I think that's, that's really the best answer for that question. For me personally, it's just, I'm just really happy with who I am and I'm open to making mistakes and learning from people who are much better at certain things that I'm not bet and that I'm not really good at or have a desire to get better at. Um, and then I guess from an artistic perspective, I mean, we with words part one and part two, I think was probably it for me because it just shows two completely different sides of the same person. And I think it also shows that it's okay to take a risk to make peace with the desires and the things that you want to say for yourself that you feel reflect who you truly are. Because listen, I started doing guitar instrumental in 2003. No one gave a fuck about guitar instrumental in 2003. <laughs> I'm doing like Chick Corea, acoustic, weird Latin stuff. Like no one's really doing that now either. I don't mm-hmm. care. I don't care, man. You know? So at the very least, even if it's something that if you're like into heavy music and you didn't really necessarily vibe with the last record, I mean, you know, I think people just based on the comments that I read were just like, I've never heard this before. And at the very least, it's a lesson of like, you can do whatever you want, man. Mm-hmm. It's your life. It's important to like care about what people think. I think it's kind of dumb too. I mean, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here at the end here, but I think a lot of people say, I don't care what people think. That was me. No, you have to care what people think to some degree. That's the most egotistical thing to say is you don't care what people think because you have to care what certain people think because certain people are better at the thing that you were trying to achieve. And if you don't take their opinion into consideration, for example, a producer who's been doing and recording music for longer than you've been alive, mm-hmm. then who do you think you are, man? You got to take a step back, you know? Um, and, and just be open to just being a better you, not just for yourself, but for the fucking world, because Lord knows we need it. <laughs> you know? Hundred percent. Yeah. But that, that that's 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 my thoughts on it. Yeah. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. Well, Angel, you are methodical, you are authentic, you are beautifully crafted, and your music can be viewed everywhere on streaming platforms. Um before we go, is there anything that you would like to say to the audience watching? And um 
yeah, what what's next for Angel Vivaldi? What you got coming up? Oh man, next year twenty twenty four is gonna be a very 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 busy year for me. Obviously, love to hear that. Rashes, yeah, yeah. We got some solo releases coming up. We got some very unexpected collaborations that just literally hit my inbox two days ago that are very fresh. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to everything, man. I'm uh, maybe 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 just maybe I might be going back on tour. I don't know. Oh, look out for that. That would be awesome. <laughs> we'll Hell see. yeah, man. That's but really honestly, cool. just you know, thank you all for your attention. And if you made it this far into the podcast again, thanks for that. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you both for having me. Man. This is a wonderful conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us today. We really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, Angel Vivaldi. Thank you so much for joining us, Angel. And um, yeah, you can check out Angel in the links in the description below. We'll put some links to his music, uh, YouTube and uh, Spotify and all that good stuff. So you can find him and you can support him. And uh, yeah, we'll stay tuned for all the cool things that you have coming up in the future. I am very excited to see what you're going to give the world. And I hope you do that book. I want to. I hope you do that book eventually. I want to read that shit. I know it's, it's going to be full of some wise words for sure. <laughs> Every day we were hacking away at it, man. But thank you guys oh, so much yeah. for your time. I really appreciate you yeah, both. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Of course. All right. We'll talk to you later, Angel. Have a Take good care, rest guys. of your of your day. Bye-bye. You too, bud. Thank you guys so much for listening to that podcast and watching with Mister Angel Vivaldi, Angeler. Angel or Vivaldi. Angel or Vivaldi. I can talk. Angel of Vivaldi. Such a good conversation. Now, let us get into the best part of any Dickie Dines podcast, and that Ooh. is the, the after show. show. Cue it. Hit the button. Hit the button. It's time for the after show. All right, everybody, welcome to the after show. This is the part of the podcast where we interact with our patrons over on Patreon, where they leave us messages, comments, lovely, nice things to say, ask us questions and all that good stuff. And we respond to them in the after show. If you want to be a part of the after show, you can click the link down below in the description and go to our Patreon. And even for just $1 a month, you can sign up and support us. Imagine that. Imagine supporting the boys for just a dollar a month. You know, that's that's twelve dollars a year. That's less than that's half of a Netflix per month. And we give you way more entertaining content. I guarantee it. That's pretty cash money. It's pretty cash money. All right. First up, we have uh, from Seth Davis. He says uh, he's got a few questions, actually. He says, wow. For Jared, uh, you've acknowledged some of the critiques with Musician Mansion. How do you feel about it now that it's been a few weeks? Is there anything that you wish you did different in the edit or the challenges and Austin, are there any updates on the horror book that you're working on? I didn't even know you're writing a horror book. Yeah, I think we talked about it before. Did uh, we? Yeah, it was a while ago though. I've been. Yeah, I'm still writing it. Yeah, I work on it all the Tell time. Tell us about this. I I forget. Uh, I don't think we talked about it enough. I forgot. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, a thing. I've just I love horror and stuff, and I I've always liked writing. It was like my favorite thing in school. Why I like writing lyrics and. So I've been working on like a little horror book and it's kind of like, you know, Stephen King-esque in that way where it's like a a horror novella, but it's, you know, a story that follows characters and stuff. And it's not just purely like 
I don't know, like absurd monsters or shit like that. Okay. It's like a kind of like a mystery thing. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. It's got, I have a title and I've, I caught him like six chapters in, I think. Nice. <laughs> I've been, yeah, I've been working on it for a while. It's just something I do in my free time when I okay. feel kind of like inspired and I don't want to do music. I'm like, I'm going to write on this fucking book I've been working on. Do you have an end in sight or are you yeah, just going to go until you think it's okay? This is I good. came up with the ending first and I like, cause oh. I, I, want, I wanted the ending to be really powerful. And so I like worked kind of backwards. Okay. I, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I like, wanted my, the, can that way it doesn't, there's not going to be any pl- like plot holes or missing things because uh, if it ultimately is working towards this event that I have solidified, you know, so it should going backwards should make it so there's no like holes in the story and hmm. so far it feels pretty cool i don't know it's kind of something i'm like i'm pretty proud of so far nice that sounds awesome yeah, yeah. that's i want to read it yeah eventually i'd love to it. get like a couple of like physical copies made or something i feel like that'd be really cool like oh, i'll put it up sure. digitally for sure but like yeah. to actually own like a copy of something like that would be yeah. really cool yeah you for sure could you know 100 percent find some i don't even know yeah. how you do that but i'm sure you can find some book maker website that yeah i know i've something. seen millions like, of books in the store yeah. i'm like there's got to be yeah, there's got to be a cheap way to do this before you do it just send it to a publisher and see what happens that'd be crazy yeah that too you never know um what so about for, you? for the first uh for my section of the questions uh, how do you feel about musician mansion or how do i feel about musician mansion now that's been a few weeks is there anything that you wish you did different in the edit or the challenges um you know i actually feel really good about it i think that with the time that I had to do it and the funding that I had to do it, we did the best that we probably could have. And I am proud of it. I think that I acknowledge and understand any of the critiques being mainly more music, less pretty much just don't do day three and we're fine. (laughs) Right. That was pretty much it. It was like day one was music. Day two was music and well, music video. Day four was busking live music. and, And I guess, well, day five was the comedy roast. So day three and day five which seemed to be the you should have done more music instead of comedy roast and this and that but i'm happy with it i think that it also reaches an audience that is not just musicians when you do stuff like that um i probably won't do bumper ball again because it could have gone really bad in hindsight it could someone could have actually got injured uh like sprained an ankle or you know broken a leg or something i don't want scars on their knees for their scars on their knees for this yeah i don't maybe not uh the bumper ball thing but the guitar smash was super fun um the gross food i thought was super fun and it just kind of opens it up to a broader audience Mm -hmm. um obviously if i would have had more funding i could i could think of a thousand things that would be super cool to do but you know with limited budget you can only do so much and it was pretty much just a pilot season we had five days we did five episodes there was no time extra time to do anything else and it kind of jump-started me into thinking of season two and how to do season two like super cool and Mm -hmm. do like a lot of musical challenges um so i i don't know if i would have done anything super different maybe if i was just better at editing in the editing process maybe i would have done the edits a little better or something like that i'm not super good at that but luckily i had kevin who stepped in and pretty much added the last 15 20 percent 30 percent on everything and made it like 10 times better than what it was um so i don't know it, it's tough and it, like i said it, it was a pilot season you know they use pilot episode is usually how it is but it's you know five episodes of a pilot thing so i don't i don't think a lot of people know how much of a 
gum and duct tape we kind of had to make this thing work for sure yeah and it was it was a lot of that it was a lot of you know volunteer friends that you know we just didn't have the budget to pay for but they were like oh you know i even offered like i'll give you out of my pocket you know five six hundred bucks to come and do this oh dude don't worry about it we just want to be there we just want to help out and i'm forever grateful for those people but i mean yeah, like there's there's a lot of stuff that we did not do exactly right that we should have at least as far as technically in the filming and the audio and stuff. But it was still great. I'm still very happy with it. And uh, I'm just excited to do season two, which hopefully will happen. Um, should know more about that very soon. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I am happy with it, you know, and, and the critiques too, I never really took to heart, you know, like some people were like pretty aggressive about it. Like, what the fuck? You got like tons of musicians together, but you did, you, you had to eat gross food. It's like, yeah, I don't fu- like, it was fun. Like, <laughs> fuck pe- off. People like, too. <laughs> I don't know what you expected, but like, you know, here you, we are. You get to see something other than their actual, you get to see That's, the real person so behind that, that. Yeah. That is, that was the other thing too. was like, they are constantly doing music content, okay, on all of their channels. Like, yes, you get them all together. You want to see them work together doing music. But how about give them? How about giving people content you will never see these people do? Like Justin flipping and fucking smashing <laughs> a, a guitar that was insane. Drusif eating an egg that was fucking, you know, 10, 12 years old or whatever. And, you know, people running into like it was just silly fun. And like, but you would never see these people do it if I didn't do it. So it was kind yeah, of where else are you going to get acoustic deathcore, bro? <laughs> acoustic deathcore, dude. Where are you going to see that? So, yeah, you know, it was it was fun. It was fun. Um, okay, let's see here. Now, uh, these are some recommendations of content that you all want to see from us. Oh. So we have uh, Alan Christopher says, y'all need to go to Strange Reddit Confessions again. I've watched those probably a thousand times. I'd be down to bring some Reddit shit back. <laughs> Strange Reddit Confessions. Um, Reddit Reddit stuff is super fun. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm totally down to do some one-off Reddit things here and there. Uh, we, we've definitely had some good fun. I Some of the most fun content I think that we've done that's like tabletop content mm-hmm. is like how we just did the Timu thing. Or we've done Wish.com. We found crazy ads on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. All that type of stuff was yeah. like so silly and fun. Um. But yeah, we'll definitely do some more uh, Reddit Reddit stuff, Reddit confessions. Uh, Rage Mage says, I miss cooking with Austin. Just watched the ultimate cheese wrecking balls video. He destroys so much cheese. This is my, my favorite part about that series is it's like a, the Berenstein Bears thing where it's like people call it different shit all the time. Like <laughs> cooking with Austin, like <laughs> Sort of close. That's basically it. Yeah. So there's an alternate universe where it's that, where you're cooking for me. The uh, the dining with Dicky stuff. Yeah, you know, we we might do we might do. Yeah, we've it. talked about bringing back like a different version of it, like a rehauled, yeah, reimagined. I think it would be funny to still do like odd combinations of food, mm-hmm. but do like like baller on a budget kind of shit where it's like a $20 Christmas feast and it's like mixing ham and it's ramen noodles. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It's like edible, but it's like, Oh, okay. Like you could make a Christmas feast for 20 bucks and then let Austin do his goofy thing. 
Um, Quindica says, Jared, you said you have a ton of good footage that you had to edit out of Musician Mansion, but have you thought about releasing any of your own behind the scenes or outtake videos? So actually, if you go to my channel on YouTube, I have already started doing this. Um, I have released, uh, I think it's like a 20 minute video of Greystone when you guys are writing your song. Um, the tons of clips from the actual writing of the song that were not in Musician Mansion uh, are on a video on my channel. Um, extra busking footage of the deathcore busking. <laughs> um, I put behind this bonus, uh, behind the scenes bonus footage of that as well. Um, what else have I, I, I did a couple more. So I'm working on it. Yes. So there's trickling there's out. Trickling out. Yes. Yeah, so there's definitely some bonus content for musician mansion. Also, I should, if you haven't already, I should say, uh, everyone else that was there, if you go to their channels, pretty much everyone did a vlog. They did their own content. Like Hamena did, I think five vlogs. Mm -hmm. Justin did like an hour and a half yeah. vlog throughout the entire week. Baina did five, three or four videos five videos sunfire did like 12 <laughs> Vlog, videos yeah. like vlogs and just silly videos uh you posted one on your mm -hmm. channel um there's tons uh, lauren babick did a few like every i'm pretty sure almost everyone did extra bonus content so yeah i think the only people that didn't were the two that weren't like content creators yeah probably. like damien and dylan yeah, exactly. yeah. Mm -hmm. i don't think sophie did i don't <clears throat> think nick did oh you know i think dylan now that i think about it i think dylan Put a play. He did a drum. It was like a four minute or something like that. Or yeah. oh, it was the jam with the, the angel jam session. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. So Dylan did do. I don't think Sophie did. I don't think Nick did. And I. I think Bradley and did. Bradley made a few. I Nick, think Nick did like a short. I think because he had me, Justin, and uh, Andrew do like a. We also had like a one liner or something. I don't gotcha. remember. I don't even know if you posted gotcha. it. Now that I think about it, there's a lot. <laughs> so if you go to their YouTube pages, you'll be able to, or just go to YouTube and type "musician mansion," and then there's those going to be like yeah, fifty honestly. videos, tons of content, and that was kind of like the whole point was so that the show was the show, and then you get all the bonus content on their channels. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's like all cross-promoted. McKinley Gents says, each person wears a shock collar that has different levels of intensity. So after each wrong answer, the person obviously gets shocked and the level goes up until we have a heart attack and die. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always thought it would be fun to do like a series where you try to say like a break down one liner but with a challenge like that where you have the dog collar on or yeah. like eat a hot chip beforehand or do the chubby bunny but try to say a lot like stuff like that where you take turns trying to do a vocal call out right you're upping the ante each time for sure um yeah that'd be funny um sambo 512 says guess the lyrics rap or metal edition Rapper metal. That's actually pretty pretty good idea. <clears throat> yeah, that'd be interesting. Is it rap or is it metal? I feel like a rapper new metal would be like impossible. Prize <laughs> all Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Every song is Limp Biscuit. Uh, that would be actually uh, not a bad idea. That, yeah, that would be I a love fun that, one. that little series we've kind of been doing yeah. where it's just like the is it this genre or something made up? Like, yeah, it's like one of my favorite things we've been doing. Um, let's see. Music Architect says, I know if we get to 250 patrons, you and Austin are releasing a song. Once that happens, could we get a podcast on how you guys wrote it and maybe how your writing processes have changed over the years? Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't sure. See I don't see why not. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think we're at like two fifteen, almost two twenty. So close. we're so close. so close. We need like thirty people to sign up, even for just a dollar, even if it's just a dollar, <laughs> and then we'll we'll drop a banger. If you're a five dollar patron, make five accounts and donate a dollar. <laughs> change, change your subscription. Don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Maddie Burns says, I'd love to see you guys do a stand up open mic session. Like you guys riff off each other. Super cool. Even if it's not a true comedy show and just between acts at a local show, I think it would be awesome. We, we did a very, <laughs> we did a very unplanned version of that like 10 years ago. Oh, the show we hosted. Yeah. Yeah. We were like hosting a show and we just kind of got up and like roasted the bands. Mm-hmm. In between the sides. I was one of those bands. You were one yeah, of those bands. Yeah. Um, he called me old like 10 years ago. I think, yeah, I referenced yeah. A, the band, the Sky Electric too. And I think half of you weren't even in that band at the time. It was just Jacob. Yeah. It was, it was like it's such a niche reference. That would be interesting though, to do a dual comedy stand up thing. You know, I, I I've seen it, but it's rare mm-hmm. where two people get up and do a a do oh, where they like roast each a other. Duel. No, like just a comedy, like stand up. Oh, like and in- they just like do it off each other. Oh, weird. How does that work? Like, You've they, never they, seen they, that? Just, like improv? Or? I've seen a couple people do it. And it's it's pretty good. Interesting. Um, that'd be something that we we could definitely look into. Um, Foot Paunch, who also has their name on the wall behind us because he's a twenty five dollar patron, says. Uh, I think it would be fun to do some kind of tier lists, whether it be on bands, album compilations, or unrelated to music. Tier lists are always fun. Yeah, I, l- I love a good tier list. I actually almost did that for my video today. I was going to do uh, like iconic metal album tier list uh-huh. and just get like 25 like just you know legendary artworks yeah. and rank them in a tier list. Hell yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, Memphis Egbert. Egg. says more reddit videos and then i have a big peen responded and said as fuck Wait, what? <laughs> just just like yeah more reddit videos as fuck like yeah just do it like yeah as fuck. more yeah, yeah. <laughs> alex bow says teaching dicky guitar part two and more oh, story yo. gaming that'd be crazy to bring back I, I've actually got a lot of people in the Discord and on Patreon that are messaging us saying they, they want to watch us game. They want to see go, more games. Go bring back the story gaming. We got to figure out a setup in here or something where mm-hmm. we can just have, like, well, we already have the monitor, but bring, like, a something up here and then hook up a Xbox or something and, and do some fucking gaming content. Yeah, finally beat the Cuphead DLC. So <laughs> someone literally today messaged us and was like, dude, you guys got to play Cuphead again. Oh, really? I, like, I want to <laughs> see funny. Dickie Rage, bro. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask him, see what he says. Dude, for real. You that know? was like prime gaming, too. That'd be so hard to get back into it. That'd be funny. Yeah. Um. There's more, more Reddit confessions. Uh, a continuation of the songs from your childhood that are still bangers, which I yeah. we talked about earlier today, which I think we're going to do that again. That could be a no- never-ending series. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's so many. So many songs. More one-second song, one song challenges, metal lyrics version of Mad Libs, um, oh, video, more video game content, top 10 guilty pleasures. These are all great okay, ideas. Okay. Got to make a list. We'll make a list. We'll check it twice, and we'll do it in 2024. <laughs> I think it might be kind of fun to do the the gaming thing. We'll just get a capture card up here, yeah, and maybe rock a maybe we do a live stream with the games, and then live we, streams would be cool too. We can have questions come in and do it in real time, and then it'll just exist, yeah, 
as a live stream. That'd be cool too, for sure. Um, let's, yeah, we'll look into that. So that is, uh, the after show today worth, uh, the patrons over on Patreon. If you want to be part of the after show, you can go and click the link in the description below to go to our Patreon and you can sign up for just a dollar a month. If you wish, thank you get bonus perks and be part of the after show. Really do appreciate it because it helps us keep the lights on and it helps Kevin feed his babies and baby mama. Thank you guys so much for watching this podcast with Angel Vivaldi. Do please go check out his content. We'll put some links in the description below for you to go find him. He's an amazing, check amazing person, now. amazing musician, and we now. love him dearly. Dear. Austin, would you like to say anything? Thanks for watching. Thanks, Angel, for being a part of this. That was really sick of you. Appreciate it. Thanks to patrons. Thanks for being a part of the scoop. Thanks for leaving your questions. I just noticed that you're wearing a fucking Santa hat. Did you just <laughs> notice? Merry Christmas, cunt. <laughs>